0: To the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason, I'm Jason Lee, along with Amy Donaldson, and today we're going to talk about the beginning of a new era, political era, in the United States, Uh, and it started on January 20th, and that's when uh, newly elected, well, elected and sworn in President Joe Biden took office, and there's a couple of things I wanted to talk about, Amy, and yeah, the, the first thing I'm gonna jump on is. You know, uh, and, and this is the first and the last time I wanna mention uh, the former president, is that this is the first time that the, uh, the predecessor wasn't at the inauguration. And well, I, I thought that that was um, kind of a telling c- circumstance. And it, to me, it, it was representative of the kind of disruption and turmoil that, that uh, we had over the last several years.
1: I think it was, I, I don't know if it was the very first one. I thought there were some like, you know, ancient ones that, yeah. Uh, John Quincy Adams, I think, uh, was unwilling to be at the inauguration for Andrew Jackson. Um, I don't think he was there for Thomas Jefferson's uh, swearing in. Interestingly, just a little, little bit of trivia for you. I read about the remodel that um, President Biden has done in the Oval Office, and he's put a picture of uh, John Adams and Thomas Jefferson next to each other. They were famous rivals, and um, he put them next to each other to remind himself that the that the point and purpose is to bring people together and to make compromises and to get some stuff done. So, so I I I, I actually wasn't bothered that Donald Trump didn't attend the inauguration because uh, A he has never conceded formally and you know congratulated President Biden on winning. He's perpetuated lies about the election's results and he's endangered the lives of you know election workers in a couple of different states um and 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 some elected officials. And so I actually felt like it ga- it made it easier and put everyone at ease. It's kind of like having someone come to your party because it's the right thing to do but not because it's the comfortable thing to do. And after uh watching people storm the capitol last week, I'm fine with a little bit of comfort and and peace and not and and let's just throw tradition aside for right now. You
0: no, know, it's interesting that uh if I'm not mistaken that was almost two weeks to the day. It was, I think, uh, the storming happened on a Wednesday, I believe. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know th- that that kind of thing happened, and then we we find ourselves a new president. So I want to get your opinion. What did you think of the inauguration? I I do. Yeah. Uh, for me, the thing I thought was great was there was this d- uh, obvious display of diversity when uh, we we haven't seen that as much over the last couple of years. And I um, the the one thing is <laughs> having the youngest uh, poet laureate or, or poet uh, speak at the inauguration was. Uh, you know, yeah. again, now it was it, to me it represented some hopefulness, some progress, and just more inclusiveness.
1: Yeah, I mean, I obviously that was striking. Not having a crowd was striking. Um, I thought the
0: yeah, how the, about that? Just you know, it it, it did give a, a, a. It was a weird kind of circumstance. You feel like you're just expecting to see you know throngs of people eat, uh, from the last inauguration to the one before that, and then yeah. all of a sudden because of. Fears and, and and you know kind of trepidation the about pandemic. what could happen that well, and the pandemic and the pandemic yeah. certainly. Yeah, uh, I there, mean, there was I think, no one. At least they yeah. could even social distance.
1: Well, and they had them kind of separated out. Even the people in the that were there, the elected officials who attended, were separated. You know, and they sat in group together with people they brought or from their homes. But um, yeah, I think actually it was for me it was I almost got a little choked up about that because I thought. He's acknowledging that we're dealing with a pandemic. I feel like our lives, normal people's lives, are so upended by this pandemic, and our former president has just carried on having rallies and you know doing whatever he wants. Things in the Rose Garden and nobody needs to wear a mask and nobody needs a social distance and and sort of been at war with the idea that we're we're even in a pandemic and 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 keeps telling us well things are better and it's going to go away next week or whatever. I felt like that it was a sobering acknowledgement that we are in the midst of a once in a century pandemic and you know the fact that four hundred thousand americans have died i i just felt like the entire week was like uh let's come back to reality and um i was emotional off and on i mean i cried when kamala harris was sworn in uh by justice sotomayor sonia sotomayor um i i I thought his uh um inauguration speech was uh it, it was wonderful. It was soothing and it was it wasn't it didn't get political or make big promises or whatever but it was it was like when you go to someone you trust and love and they tell you it's going to be all right. right. We're really capable. We're good. I mean, I don't know. I just found it to be very like chicken soup and warm homemade bread and it was just <laughs> And then, and then to end with The Hill We Climb from Amanda Gorman, who is uh, unbelievable, remarkable. I look at myself at 22, 23 years <laughs> <Right>. old. <laughs> I was just what did we cool. accomplish
0: by being? this?
1: Uh, I was so proud to have a job.
0: <laughs> Let alone it. And, and I don't know that I could have stood in front of, of, no. a, of a non-crowd or any crowd on national television. The and, world. Yes.
1: Yeah. And, 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 to, and it was so perfect. You know, it was just the perfect end to what I thought was a a really fitting inauguration for the time we're in and the place we need to be and the place we need to go. And I did have some interesting conversations after with my friends and family of various political affiliations. And, you know, they're they're sad, they're scared. And I, I will remind people that that's how I felt, how we felt when Trump took office. And, and somebody said that to me when Trump won. They said, well, we felt this way when Obama was elected. And I, I do wonder, Jason, if we're ever going to get to a place where a third of us are not terrified of our leadership.
0: I, I'm, with, I'm with you 100%. I've I got to be honest with you. I, I hate that so many people are, as, as hopeful as we are, they're just as uh, disillusioned and, and afraid that you know that something terrible is going to happen. I I've had a couple of interactions, one more friendly than the other one, uh, with people who are you know for se- their Second Amendment people, right? Mm-hmm. And they are worried that you know the new administration is going to come get their guns. I'm like, first of all, I'm a gun owner. They're not they're <laughs> not taking my gun from me. I just me and uh, uh, the, the late uh, Jonathan Hest, uh, Charlton Heston, from my cold dead hand, right? So I don't. Fear that because I just know that that's not going to happen. It's, it's it's baked into the Constitution. It's it's part of our country. It's part of the founding of our country. It's the reason we have the country in the first place. We yeah. being all of us in totality, despite the fact that you know myself and uh, and the other, and the people of Native American heritage were not quite included in that. But I, I would suggest to you that 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 hopelessness, I believe, is misplaced. But I understand why they feel that way, I, and I don't dismiss it. I just wish there was some way I could give them comfort in knowing just like when, when I remember yeah. talking to some my conser- my, one of my conservative friends at the gym right after the election I said you know what as much as I think this is crazy the republic will survive yeah. and there is we, nothing we, this, the republic is too great to just be destroyed by any person in the white house it just it just is
1: yeah and I, and I hope I hope people take comfort in knowing that that's how afraid we were Right. And and I but I do also think we need to talk as people about how we can get to a better place of governing, because I think this really divisive, the pendulum swinging back, you know, really far one way and then really far the other way. Um, And this is I won so I can do whatever I want to you. Um, I really hope we could get rid of that. I, I think Joe Biden does bring a different tone and he has a history of sort of working across party lines. And so maybe he can be the one to deliver that kind of leadership. I don't know.
0: I'm hoping that you're exactly right. But when we come back, I want to talk about Joe Biden because he's the new president. And he got his pen. uh, It was smoking on uh, day one of his presidency with uh, all the executive actions he could squeeze into 24 hours. Uh, That's going to be our next topic when we continue. You're listening to Voices of Reason. I'm Jason Lee. She's Amy Donaldson. We'll be right back. with the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason, Amy Donaldson and Jason Lee, and uh, we're going to talk now about Joe Biden's first day in office, which has to be one of the more active days in office uh, in recent memory. Uh, The president got his pen out, and it was smoking by the time it was over, Mm -hmm. 17 executive orders, Mm -hmm. uh, beginning with reengaging with the World Health Organization, creating a position of COVID response coordinator, rejoining the Paris Climate Accord, I, I remember that was a big deal. Uh, yeah. re- revoking the Keystone Pipeline uh, to pause energy leasing there uh, in ANWR, the, uh, the wildlife reserve in Alaska, and uh, asking agencies uh, to kind of extend uh, more co- uh, the moratoriums on evictions and foreclosures, which has become a really big issue, uh, particularly at the beginning of this year, extending student loan pauses, uh, launching an initiative to advance racial equity, uh, and in the 1776 Commission, I, didn't, uh, I wasn't quite aware of that, Revoke orders to exclude undocumented immigrants from the census. How about that? Mm-hmm. Uh, preserve and fortify DACA, which helps dreamers. It, what, what, that was probably the thing to me that meant the most because it just helps these young people not have to worry about uh, something that, uh, you know, was never their fault to begin okay. with. Mm-hmm. And we, they, they have to figure out a way to make a path for them to become citizens. I, I feel like that's... Congress needs to really work on that order. Reverse the travel ban to primarily Muslim countries. I'd almost forgotten about that, you know, that they oh, were yeah. still doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, stop construction of the border wall, thank goodness. And uh, combat... And it be-
1: actually, actually as part of that yeah. executive order, um, they're going to do a review of this emergency declaration that allowed
0: other, um, President happening.
1: Trump to divert money, money that's from right. other from from like cybersecurity in, in homeland security and use that for the border wall. So they're actually going to look at whether or not that was even legal. Because that's
0: how they that's how they were able to actually. That's keep how it they going. funded it. That's yeah.
1: right. I think it, the first five billion was legitimately funded, but they've spent fifteen billion dollars that I know. I mean, the last I read. And Mexico and hasn't
0: reimbursed us at all. <laughs> Jason, I they did pay it, for it. Come well, on. They're, well, they're, they're going he, he, to eventually.
1: Remember though some of the you can keep you want to keep going with your rundown because you haven't hit the the mask wearing the oh, on federal I'm, property I'm during interstate one. travel
0: so they got discrimination combat uh, to combat uh, sexual orientation and gender ID require mm-hmm. ethics pledge for executive branch personnel uh, modernize and improve regulatory review end harsh and extreme immigration enforcement extend protection from deportation for liberians in the USA how about the specifically the yeah. liberian yeah. revoke certain executive orders concerning federal regulation, freeze any new pending regulations, uh, fill and supply shortfalls uh, in fight versus uh, the uh, COVID-19, and also uh, increase FEMA reimbursement for the National Guard uh, for their PPE. Establish a pandemic testing board and uh, expand testing. Uh, we, uh, more clinical treatments for COVID-19 and improve analysis of related data. Uh, Mount vaccine campaign, uh, such as hundred million shots in hundred days. That'll, I'll be interested to see if that even goes anywhere uh, let's see what you mentioned. Re- require masks, uh, face masks, at airports and other modes of transportation. Uh, mm-hmm. I love Buses. that. Buses, yeah. That. yeah. Uh, restore bargaining power for federal workers. Uh, establish uh, agencies to boost food aid and improve delivery of stimulus checks. And I also think to myself, one of the uh, things that was important to me, at least, I, I, I never, I, I don't re- remember getting a six hundred dollar check this last time. But uh, so I don't know if it ever came to me. But I, I wonder he talked about working on a plan to uh, extend federal stimulus, giving more money to Americans, and, Mm -hmm. um, you know, kind of uh, keeping this thing going while we're still in this pandemic. And I wonder if that is something that will be fiscally possible, and if, in fact, if that's going to be something that uh, Congress will take up and and, and move along, or if if it'll get stalled.
1: Well, I think you're going to see... The tax cuts rolled back. There's no way to to fund some of this stuff. And 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 and, and remember, the Trump tax cuts were um, back end loaded. So we were going to have a a little bit of benefit if you're in the middle of the range, uh, you know. And or if you're at the bottom, not. I didn't see any. I don't know about you, but I didn't see any benefit. But um. Neither so, did I. Yeah, and then there were people above us who got a pretty significant um cut. And and businesses got some good cuts. But um they were always gonna uh, start the, the bill was gonna come due for that, I believe 2022. Um I think we'll maybe see us start that bill will start coming due a little bit earlier. They were never paid for. Um it was a it was basically a charge on the credit card um that we were just gonna ask somebody to pay for down the road. Um they didn't stimulate the economy enough to pay for themselves. They didn't even come close. It, it significantly increased the deficit and the thing you're going to hear right now is what but the deficit but the deficit but the deficit and i am 100 percent on board with looking at spending but i think it's just um it's really an indictment of who we are that we don't bat an eyelash to give tax cuts to wealthy and corporations but we will um you know complain all the way to the bank when we're talking about safety net programs and social programs that help the poorest and sickest among us
0: there's part of me that believes and i know this is over a bit of hyperbole right mm-hmm. that we 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 show so little compassion for those who are less fortunate than us uh in terms of resources and uh financially and you know i have never felt like giving poor people food or shelter is going to somehow diminish my ability to do what it is and live the way I live, you know. I just, I, I, I don't get that. Particularly from people who are particularly wealthy. Uh, and, and, and they say to themselves, their lives don't change at all. But what you do by giving these people who have so little, a, a bit, is, is it changes their lives. It changes their mm-hmm. outlook. It gives yeah. them hope. It gives mm-hmm. them a reason to try to, uh, uh, you know, climb so that they can help themselves and then be able to help other people who might have been in the same position as them i, I i've never understand that kind of harshness
1: i 100 percent agree and and i think we ought to ask ourselves that if you were on the side of tax cuts that we couldn't pay for then i don't really want to hear from you when we talk about social programs for the poorest and and for children you know pre-k for kids universal pre-k The public education system as much maligned as it is and as much help as it needs right now and as hard as it's been during this pandemic year is one of the shining jewels of this country it is one of the reasons we are the power that we are is that every kid is entitled to an education and uh, you can have a lot of issues with the way we've delivered it but the fact that we've that that's a, a cornerstone of this of our society that's a huge huge um you know commitment and uh, I love that our state government our new governor here has made such a significant investment in education I think it's going to be a profoundly impactful decision if if the legislature follows through
0: I remember when Oleen Walker who was the first female governor uh, of Utah and one of the truly underrated uh, Mm -hmm. politicians in the history of the state of Utah I mean she was a a brilliant woman and she should have gotten way more credit than she got and she was also, she'd been an educator, so she, you know, she, she recognized the importance of improving education and, and giving people a, a chance to have a leg up. And especially when we as a, a state have technology as one of the, our, our largest growth industries, we needed to have more emphasis on that. And I'm hoping that uh, the new governor, Spencer J. Cox, who is a friend of this program, uh, will be able to you know, make some more inroads in, in helping to uh, improve our educational system. When we come back, I want to continue on the, uh, the the discussion about what what to hopefully look forward to in this new administration and some of the things that we'd like to see tackled as as we move forward. She's Amy. I'm Jason. This is Voices of Reason. With the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason, Jason Lee, along with Amy Donaldson, and as it turns out, we are we bring you breaking news on occasion when it happens. And the last segment we talked about the variety of executive orders yes. uh, that uh, Joe Biden uh, has actually signed already. And uh, again, as we record this on Friday, uh, the twenty second of jan- uh, January, he, his the uh, the executive order uh, con- continues.
1: Yes, the flurry. He's still got the pen out, and right. and, and and there's. Two things I wanted to say. I wanted to tell you, there are two new uh, executive orders today, Friday, um, and and one of those is focused on expanding food assistance and delivering stimulus checks to very low-income Americans, and the other one is raising the minimum wage for federal workforce to $15 an hour. So I think those are both good things. Here's my issue. Do we really want the executive branch to have as much power as it it has? The last four presidents have relied on executive power to get really critical things done outside of the affordable care act obama had he he i mean he created daca through an executive order which i was in favor of daca i was not in favor of it being an executive order i thought that should have been a congressional act and guess what happened the next president tried to roll it back and caused all kinds of havoc on the program and then he's now joe biden's gonna reinstate it do you really want these laws to change every four years because trump undid a bunch of what obama did and now you have biden undoing a, what trump did and it's a, I think it's a really ineffective way to govern but you know
0: the alternative it, is doing nothing see and that's that's a problem we and you and i've discussed this for a long time mm-hmm. congress has there's been so much gridlock that there mm-hmm. hasn't been the uh the, the reason the compromise the uh bipartisanship to pass effective legislation especially regarding uh immigration and education and, and just the ability and, and the, the minimum wage. We've had, the, the fact that we can't get to these uh, issues and make some substantive change has always been disconcerting to me. And, and somehow we don't get, well, we don't get as far as we'd like. I mean, uh, Rob Bishop told us that there are still things going on that we don't necessarily re- uh, recognize, but on the whole, the, the larger issues, they don't seem to be addressed certainly not expediently if ever at all.
1: Yeah, I mean so I don't I don't I mean philosophically you know I align more with President Biden and so I am in favor of rolling back some of those changes that Trump made. But I was never in favor of them being executive orders in the first place. And I really think we should all ask ourselves how do we get Congress to do what it's supposed to do? <laughs> you know, I mean it's going to be interesting right now. There's this big debate over the filibuster. You know, there's a 50-50 split in Congress between the two parties. Um, you know, Kamala Harris has a tie-break vote.
0: In the Senate, um, that's right. Yeah,
1: so that helps the Democrats. Um, but you know, what, everyone's like, well, we have a majority. We can do whatever we want. You know, Mitch McConnell in 2017 was like, elections have consequences, and this is the consequence. Yeah, the winners exactly get to, what happened. they get to, yeah, and so. And to the
0: winners go the spoils. The
1: spoils, and do we really want, should government be a, a, like war or sport? Where the winner gets the winner takes all and the losers resign to an asterisk, right? I think not. I think governing has to be different, and I really don't know how we get there, especially when a third of the country still believes, you know, absolute that, fiction that, that, that about Mr. the election that, that, that
0: the prior president is still the president, or at least yeah. it, it was stolen. You know, yeah. and the funny thing is, you know, look, I, I can't believe I'm about to say this that I'm looking, I'm looking back fondly of the days of uh, Ronald Reagan, for instance, when. He and Tip O'Neill, who then was the Speaker of the House, a Democrat and a Republican, the president, would have uh, lunch or dinner together. And they would discuss how, what, what measures they could work on so that they could pass these laws. Mm-hmm. And today, you, you, uh, Trump rarely ever talked to uh, Nancy Pelosi. In fact, he would ridicule her. And she wasn't yeah. much better, by the way. I'm not taking sides on this Well, I mean,
1: here, here's the thing. I mean, I, Trump presented some unique difficulties. A- he had a really estranged relationship with the truth. And you can say whatever you want about him philosophically, you can agree with him, be aligned with his policies or not, but he cannot tell the truth about a lot of things. And so when you're dealing with somebody who doesn't tell the truth or who makes things up, um, it's very difficult to have a like a grown up conversation or I mean, he would do things even with his supporters, you know, in Congress where he would say, we're gonna do this by Friday, and then somebody would in Congress would tell him, like, that's not possible, this is what we have to do, and he would say, well, I wanna sign an executive order. I mean, like, he didn't understand governing, and so, and and also he was, you know, fundamentally dishonest person, and I think that created a difficulty for Nancy Pelosi because um, should you negotiate, and I've had this difficulty, You know, you and I have even had this conversation. I like to talk to people who, disagree with me philosophically or politically or in any way but i have trouble bringing people on who are going to tell the tell dishonest, you know, tell untruths. I don't want to spread misinformation. I don't want to be a source of of, you know, untruths or conspiracies.
0: Well, i think that you know, again, you, you have to be able to have a discussion and it's very difficult to have discussions with people who like you say don't necessarily tell the truth, but more importantly, they they don't want to hear what you have to say. And, and even, like I remember when uh, Obama was president, he and John Boehner, Boehner famously would golf together. Mm-hmm. Now, yeah. Boehner would be terrible to him on national television, but mm-hmm. apparently they had a relationship and it was relatively cordial. So if that's the case, if I can watch somebody, you know, kind of excoriate them, <laughs> their, their uh, rival, even if he was the president uh, on, on television, but then behind the scenes, when you know things need to get done they actually have uh meetings they have discussions they they try to work through things in a way that's con, uh constructive for the the better of the of the for the good of the country that's i can live with that because mm-hmm. those are people who are trying at least to find common ground trying to find a way to you win a little i win a little the country wins in general that's that's the kind of leadership that this country needs right now because if, if we we can't this divisiveness. You know, it's, it's people are you know n- not wanting to uh, have family members over for you know w- when we could uh, for holiday dinners and stuff. Yeah. Like that. I mean, <laughs> yeah, we can't w- right
1: now. When did Co- they, COVID may have saved a few people. Right, they, more they relationships. May, exactly <laughs> at least for for a time.
0: I, I I have plenty of conservative friends who I find are smart, respectful, and I appreciate their opinion despite the fact that I may disagree with them. Mm-hmm. Spencer Cox is a great example of that. I love yeah. that guy, but mm-hmm. I would know that. As he and I politically, we disagree on a whole bunch. But as well, human beings, I think that, we, can, see, we can have conversations where we can discuss those kinds of things.
1: And for me, I feel like I was a moderate conservative. I, I was maybe a left-leaning conservative before Donald Trump, and I feel like Donald Trump turned me into a flaming liberal. Um, you know, I, I, I don't flaming know. Flaming liberal has
0: changed what, what, no, what used but, to be moderate but, but, is now yeah, flaming.
1: Exactly. But I also think and the other side is just a hippie. I feel like I've just gone super extreme and I, I'm i trying very desperately to moderate myself to figure out, you know, to follow the example of some of the people we've talked about today, um, you know, especially this young woman, Amanda Gorman, I, like, if you can't find what you're looking for, maybe you should be what you're looking for. And um, I, I think I just have to figure out how to do that again, I feel like it's, I feel like I've lost my way and in my own like distress and, and 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 I'll be frank, hatred of somebody that I thought was trying to dismantle our country and and all of its institutions. So I just feel like it's it's an extremely it's an extreme situation. And so I don't know that I'm going to fault people too much for not working with Donald Trump because I think he was an aberration. I, I hope he was we hope an he's an
0: aberration. But, you know, I've, I, like I said, I've had conversations with people who I disagree with and they offered, uh, for instance, uh, we, they, they may have a different principle than me and they may say that my principle is how I, f- the reason I feel this way is because this is how I feel, not necessarily because it's logical. That I can appreciate because at least they understand where they're coming from and so do I now. I may disagree with it. However, at least we have come to an understanding. We have to have more of those kinds of conversations where it's not necessarily adversarial, but at least uh, exchanging ideas Explaining uh, wh- why this person is here and why I might be there and even if we don't come together We at least see where the other one is and if you can see eye-to-eye eye, Just knowing what 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 we're talking about That's that's a start when we come back We want to talk about what we'd like to see and what we what's what's in our our bag of hope uh, for the country uh, in the coming years I'm Jason. She's Amy. This is voices of reason with the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason, Jason Lee, along with Amy Donaldson. And I wanted to use this uh, last few minutes we have talking about what we hope to see uh, tackled, politically speaking, uh, uh, in Washington uh, with the new administration. Mm -hmm. And and I would start off with saying, like I said, immigration was always a huge thing for me because knowing now that there are so many people who had their, uh, their lives upended by not having a safety net and not having hope for an option, to, to potentially stay in a place where they probably only ever known or they've been here for so long, they realize that th- this is the place they want to be and they want to contribute to. And I think rather than wanting to send them all back because that's kind of the separa- separa- uh, separatist idea that I don't necessarily, uh, I'm, not, uh, I'm not on board with. I'd like to see a, a situation where we could find where somebody you give them maybe five years to work, uh, they, you have to pay some certain amount, you have to learn, you know, pass some citizenship requirements so that at, at that point they can apply and, you know, have a, a reasonable road to becoming a naturalized citizen. And, and that's to me, that's one of the more important things we have to really address because there are too many people out there whose lives are in limbo and that's just nowhere to live.
1: Well, and I think aside from the humanitarian side of the immigration issues, which in DACA, most people support um, some kind of DACA program for for kids who come here as 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 you know their parents bring them they didn't choose this this is the only country they know most people can be on board with providing DACA kids um, some citizenship protections and and maybe even a path to citizenship it, where it gets murky is um, their parents or other um, other people who came to this country illegally or un- who are undocumented for other reasons they overstayed a visa or whatever and and I would say this solving the immigration problem isn't just a humanitarian issue and it certainly is in my opinion a a huge and and critical humanitarian issue but it's also a huge and critical economic issue because as long as we have people who live here undocumented they are able to be victimized by unscrupulous companies and business owners and they drive wages down and and when you want to feel bad about something or or get mad at somebody get mad at the people who take advantage of undocumented people but who will not fight for their right to be here legitimately and and because they're paying taxes they're 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 not they're not entitled to benefits this stuff that you these memes you see on Facebook they're not true they can't get benefits they can't take advantage of uh, public programs that citizens have access to um, or legal residents or people who are here with documentation so they live such a Shadowed life you know shadow of a life here um, and in some cases it's still better than the situation they were fleeing but it's a huge economic issue and i would love to see us start looking at immigration as everybody's problem um, not just the problem of people who happen to have been born somewhere else or be in a situation that we find you know untenable it, it's this is an american problem this country was founded on people who came here for some kind of uh, religious freedom or or political freedom or to flee persecution that's a cornerstone of who we are that's not changing own it and make it part of our systems going forward
0: and i, I you know, so that's that's the one thing i i'm still kind of uh worried about i don't know that i worry about anything more than that other than uh just equity and equality whether it be race gender, uh, sexual orientation because again, what is supposed to be a cornerstone though it was not when, it was when the country was first founded let's make that perfectly clear, <laughs> this was about our white slave owners, or well, our but they, owners
1: but they felt persecuted that's right, so they, so well but no, no but
0: when, the, when they founded the country, they, want, they made it so that though, their lives would be great and everybody else was kind of here but they, they were to be the working class yeah but what they, uh,
1: what they unwittingly did, or maybe wittingly, I don't know they, they baked into this situation like you say that they were making for their own advantage mm-hmm. that they felt gave them an advantage, they also baked into it these ideas that that give us all hope, right that that give us that that made America something different. And so yeah, we we're scrambling and trying to figure out who we are and how to live up to those ideals. but they baked in some pretty lofty you know <laughs> aspirations, and I want us to take those things into heart and say, um we need to a rising tide lifts all boats if America's better for everybody it's better for you I, I let me say I heard this thing in my meditation and it was I think it was from Pope John Paul, but he talked about how the river doesn't drink its own water and the um the sun doesn't shine on itself uh you know in nature, one thing feeds another right and and that's when you live for other people, when you're, it's great to be happy, but it's better that other people are happy because of you. And I think that's where we have to get back to.
0: Do you think that uh, that's a place where people are willing to go?
1: Yes, I think people, we have gotten caught up and the pandemic has made this worse in this idea of if other people have something, I have less and what we Mm -hmm. need to, The mindset we need to shift to is if other people have something, they will create more for me and mine. We will all lift each other, help each other. Nobody gets left behind because that's who we have to become that country where where nobody, nobody falls through the cracks. There's a safety net for everybody and everybody doing better means we are all doing better.
0: We do actually have a fair amount of abundance here. I always say yeah. there's no way that people should starve because we throw away more food than any place I would oh, imagine because it's just like, it's just crazy. It,
1: absolutely, and and I I was just going to point out that their three their top three like first hundred day type priorities are the COVID issue, which I think you if you don't get control of pandemic, and, and, and that includes economic relief and the distribution of the vaccine and testing. You know you have to have a comprehensive COVID. You know, plan and be able to execute it, that nothing matters. Nothing else will matter. So, get the pandemic under control is critical. But then they said infrastructure and climate change and, and immigration. And immigration is in my top three, but also in my top three is healthcare. Because if COVID has Absolutely. taught me anything, it is that we cannot keep delivering healthcare the way we are through private insurance companies, it's almost exclusively tied to your job. When people lost their jobs, they lost their health care. We can't be that country anymore. This, it, we, it, that has proven to be an absolute failure of a system. So I hope that gets addressed as well.
0: Well, you know what, I'm gonna say amen to that because it, it is possibly, other than maybe that immigration thing we just talked about, it may be the most important thing we have going right now because it is such a prevalent issue during this pandemic. We have to be able to at least address the health issues of all Americans. And, uh, all people in America, not just Americans necessarily, and yeah. uh, we we need to figure out a way to make that happen sooner, way rather than later. Uh, listen, join us for the next episode of the Loudmouth Project's Voices of Reason. If you have any comments about our show, please contact us via email at V O R M E D at gmail dot com or at vorjasonl at gmail dot com. You can also find us on Twitter at adonsports and at Jason Lee One. Our show's Twitter handle is at vor podcast. Check out our Facebook page, and you can also find and subscribe to free episodes of our podcast in all the places where you find interesting content. Be sure to review our show as well. We love to get your feedback, and it helps us grow our audience. Until next time, I'm Jason Lee along with Amy Donaldson. When you engage in passionate debate, do your best to keep your dialogue civil. Try to be the voice of reason.
1: Voices of Reason is a production of the Loudmouth Project.